Welcome to another episode. And now, Dr. Aaron Bryant. Well, un- unfortunately, um, I have to give you some new information. The, uh, okay. Unfortunately? That, yeah. Well, it's not good news, but, but okay. in November, um, they had, it was introduced by Senator McSally as a standalone bill. She tried in to September. get it September, excuse mm-hmm. me. She tried to get it added to the NDA for the Senate and Senator Romney held fast on amendments. He held the line mm-hmm. and um, she couldn't do it. So she was supposed to keep it on the NDA and she's on the Armed Forces Senate Committee. Well, unfortunately, due to her not being reelected in Arizona state law because she was appointed. She was gone and she didn't get elected. She was gone. Her staff had to find new jobs. So that transition hurt us big time. So right. what happened is it, it got taken off the NDA and then we didn't know at all. Okay. We did not know it was taken off. And then it went up for vote as a standalone bill and it didn't pass by I don't know, four or five or something. Something like that. And when they called us, uh, um, this congresswoman Lesko's office called us. She told us that it didn't pass. And all they would tell us is lack of support. And that was a, right. That was a friendly way of basically saying what I said, but more in detail, I told Stephanie, this is uh, the committee, the day we really needed people to support it, they probably were not there and it got taken off. That, that's all I could tell you. It's a shame. Um, and the reason it's a shame is this. People, every day, I rounded up, five active duty die a day and 21 veterans die a day. And these people are continue to die while all this gets sorted out. Now, don't get me wrong. You have to start somewhere. It's not easy to get a bill passed. We actually got further than a lot of people quickly. Um, it is a setback but it's going to be reintroduced for the next one. Now, many people don't know this, but due to all the turmoil in Congress at the moment, the NDA next year is not going to be done until a later time. It's usually done earlier than it will this year because they're not going to get to it for a little bit. So um, Congressman Moulton's office, they were awesome. They did their part. They got it to the NDA on the House side and it passed. So um, they want to, they're going to take action again, and it should make it to that point. Now we need the Senate to help us. And that's what we're working on. They're helping us and others are helping us. We have to work on the Senate and um, that's where we're at. The, uh, and so that's the news. Um, we don't, I, I'm not going to say two years, but hopefully if it was to pass this time, it'd be implemented I guess January 1st for sure. Actually, technically October 1, but it'd be backdated because they'll never get it passed by October. Um, so we're, we're really optimistic. Don't get me wrong. We have a lot of work to do on our part and uh, we're going to do our part. We wish we could go to DC, but we can, and it's not even close to being the same it was when we went there before. So, um, but due to circumstance, we're uncertain if we could go or not in April, May timeframe, we're hoping to. And again, we just promote, awareness. We're not lobbyists. We don't have any GoFundMe. We pay for everything ourselves. And um, we enjoyed ourselves in DC that first trip. We learned a lot. We enjoyed ourselves, met a lot of good people, met some not so good, um, but not the Congress people themselves by any means. Staffs are, uh, we learned the hard way that these staffs are uh, 
they conceal things from the congressman and the senator. It's a shame. I understand weeding things out, but when you're weeding something out, you, you need to run it by them on something like this before you weed it out and never get it to them. Because in the end, that's exactly what happened. That's why the Senate wasn't prepared for what happened is because um, the, the staffs, one could say someone let us down. I, I don't know any other words. Let's just say it didn't make it because if the senator outright knew, I guarantee they would have uh, been more proactive and they would have told them to work on it. And so, um, so anyway, we have a new plan. That's the plan. Okay. The, uh, the other thing before I forget, I'm sorry, I'm kind of changing the subject, but not. Stephanie, I want to point out something to you. In masterminding the Brandon Act, when we wrote it, and it was me, Terry, and her sister. Um, one of the things, well, a couple of things happened. Number one, until Brandon died, we had no idea that there were so many suicides in the military. I had no idea. When I was active duty, I, I had no idea. They hit it. I'm telling you, I, I didn't read about it. I had no idea. Second is, come to find out, 21 veterans are dying by suicide. And it's blamed on, and again, Stephen, I know you know more about this. We did go to a hearing we were on D.C., and they blame it on the Vietnam era. In other words, most of them are Vietnam era veterans. Well, here's my take on the Brand Act when we developed it. If we can fix active duty, then by de facto, we fix future veterans, which means we'll fix the 21 suicides someday. Right now, we won't. We, we can't. But there is hope. If it passed, I'd like to believe in my heart that those Vietnam veteran veterans were told to do things that are unspeakable and they were told to suck it up and live with it. And I like to believe if they see something that is hopeful, that there is change out there and help is on the way, maybe they won't. Maybe that number will go down. Just naturally when they see something is being done that the public cares and something's being done. So we're hoping we affect it both ways, that way and the other way. And then the, um, the, the other part of all this is you could spend the national deficit on putting an end to suicide for veterans and active duty. It won't work. The reason it won't is because the true problem behind everything, I'm telling you, sexual harassment, Vanessa, Dean, every one of them have an element, our son, of course, of toxic, abusive leadership and abuse of power. Until you focus on that and do away with it, you can't fix this. You could curb numbers, but you cannot fix it. You have to do away with the toxic, abusive leadership and abuse of power. The only way to do away with that is to get rules in place and not tolerate. But the other thing is toxic leadership and abuse of power cannot rise unless we let it. We let it. I'm, I turned the other way in the military. I'm not going to deny that. Of course, like I said, nobody died. I can honestly defend myself in that category. And I can defend myself. I never wrote anybody up, ever. I handled all things at my level that I could. And if I couldn't handle it on my level, it went up. But those things that went up, I didn't write them up. They just went up. That's the way it works. Um, but it's a, uh, we have to focus on that. And again, the Brandon Act doesn't, it's a tool in the toolbox. That's all it is. And, and it's a tool with the Vanessa bill, uh, the other bill you mentioned, I forgot the name. All those bills are tools in the toolbox. They're not going to fix our problem, but we give the service member tools 
We'll follow it, hopefully reduce the numbers, and we'll improve upon on it. And it might take a while to get true legislation in there about accountability and everything. But for right now, it's something to save lives. And that's what we are about and what we're trying to do. Again, I do want to point out to you, I never concealed this. We are on two paths. One path is to save lives, service members' lives. That is what our mission is for the rest of our lives. We dedicated Brandon's legacy is saving lives. We believe that's what we read in the letter. And the other path is accountability for injustice for Brandon. That's another path, though. We don't put them, they're not the same path because they can't be, because we need to save lives now. We don't have time to wait five or 10 years for justice or something. We need to get saving lives now because five a day are dying and it's, uh, it's out of control and they don't need to die. And not only are they dying, there's all the other, uh, even any death is suspicious, period. Um, in our opinion, okay, we want legislation someday. Any, any death in the military is ruled a homicide until proven otherwise. I know that sounds against our justice system. Trust me, if they did it that way and there was true people, I'm talking people with integrity, like maybe the FBI investigating this stuff, you will get true answers and people will be held accountable right away trust me but that's when i say far-fetched that'll be down the line and i don't know if that could ever happen but it, it sounds like guilty till proven innocent but point being is i sat at gold or we excuse me sat at gold star family members and one of the meetings we went to somehow some way they went around the room and asked how their loved one died and it was horrible to even do that but the point being is it happened and i listened and I noticed that there were elements out there in every one of them, me being a retired Navy counselor, that the ones that um, every one of them had the command was involved in the death. The only difference was the ones that were really nice to them, those people don't know. But I couldn't. I wasn't about to tell them. They don't know because command rolled out the red carpet. It's another way of covering someone. Roll out the red carpet. They're not suspicious. Their son or daughter died. Loved one died. That's it. Um, in our case, the command went the other way, which I feel was just stupid, but they chose to do that. I understand why, me being a retiree, Navy counselor, but um, the devil is always in the details. And unfortunately, commands are always involved in these deaths in some form or another. Tillman's an example, but there are many like that. And there are hundreds of thousands, even millions of Gold Star family members out there that have never had justice, that are living with this like we are. And I want to point out, we... Uh, we don't represent them, but the point is we're one of them. We know how they feel and they need help getting justice and closure and the rules changed. Um, because one thing I always point out is, and I know this sounds drastic what I'm about to say, but it is the God's honest truth, is you have a 10-year-old in your house right now. Brandon is an example. 10 years from now, you have no idea what your son or daughter is going to do. You don't. You saw they're not joining the military or they don't have to. I'm going to pay for college. And somehow, some way, they end up in the military. But let's take it a step further. Let's just say that they joined and they were doing very well. And all of a sudden, you had two uniformed people show up at your door and ring your doorbell and tell you your son and daughter's dead. They died by suicide. Come to find out, when you dig deeper in all this, that the commanding officer and a couple other people in that command were the same toxic leaders in Brandon's command. 
And had those people been stopped, your son or daughter would be alive right now. But no, we didn't stop them. We allowed them to continue to kill. And now you have to face what we do. And like I tell everybody, I wouldn't wish this on my first enemy. I don't even wish this on the people that did this in Brandsk. We do not wish this. It is. It's the worst. And, but my point is, you have to have accountability in this. Regular society has accountability. Regular society dictates the rules of life. And the military needs to get up to those times. Um, Everybody else has had to do it. Um, Like I said, the police, again, everyone has their own opinion about the police. My point is, I honestly can say, I believe 94% of what the police do is on the up and up. 6% is bad. Yeah. Can you imagine if you couldn't sue them and you didn't have the governor, the mayors, and all these other places you could go to get help? It would be inverted. It'd be 94% corruption, 6% good. So not being able to sue the military and hold people accountable and allow, give them a license to kill and immunity, that, that is so wrong. It should have been done away with years ago. And the other thing I, I point out is, and I regret to say this is, let's face it, somebody needs to do what we're doing and others have tried and I'm sure they were not successful. And I understand why, because the military puts roadblocks in a way that just incredible. But if this could have been fixed 10 years ago, our son would be alive today, yeah. let's face it. But others died before that. There's no doubt in my mind, others paid the price, but we got to stop this paying the price now, right away. That's got to stop. And we need to put an end to this. And the, uh, other example that insults me is everything going on with DC. Let me tell you, their triggers about Brandon because police officer died. I understand that. It is sad too, by the way. I mean that with my heart. One person died. The other four, we'll call them the bad guys. Okay. One, our son dies. He don't get all that attention. He doesn't have the justice department looking for him. He doesn't have all that. That is so unfair. And it's unfair to the others. Take it a step further. The headline the other day, Four-star admiral visited strike group after, after racist graffiti found on ship. He goes and visits the ship because of the graffiti. Don't get me wrong. That is horrible that that happened. I wholeheartedly support it. And he puts in there, this is his quote. Um, he says that telling sailors they cannot under any illusions um, that extremist behaviors do not exist in our Navy. It says, we must better understand the scope of the problem, get after the issue, and eliminate conduct that is driven by extremist beliefs. He said, no doubt this is a leadership issue. We own this. We will eliminate extremist behavior and its corrosive effects on our fighting force. And we must remember that we swear an oath to support and defend the Constitution above all else. Now, you tell me something. What have they done for suicide? They're going to do this for graffiti. Nobody died. Okay, that we know of. And he flies out there. Yet our son dies. He don't do any of this. To include all the other gold stars, they don't own suicide. They don't do anything. They don't do a thing. But had they done this when our son died, can you imagine the difference it might have made? But could it, if it was done before our son died, can you imagine the difference it made, would make? Um. Sorry, I'm on tangent. The other thing is, I want to point out something. There's a DOD instruction. 
1020.3. DOD in February 2018 ordered all militaries, that includes the Coast Guard, all DOD, all DOD to it's implement DOD. this instruction. It basically is an update on existing instruction. And it specifically says in there words of the fact that anybody caught doing this, like bullying and all this, their names are to be turned in so they could research this and be held accountable. Well, guess what? The military never implemented it. They won't tell you why, because I can't tell you why. So I assume they just decided not to. Had they implemented it, Brandon be alive. But more importantly, as you'll read, they found somebody guilty, even though they never punished the person. Um, that person would have been in trouble with them based upon the fact that he was found guilty for um, bullying and he would have been, his name would have been turned in. So they never implemented the instruction. Had that instruction been implemented, our son would be alive today. And the others too that died that year and since then, of course, would all probably be alive because it really tells you beyond a doubt that bullying is not tolerated. And it, it is saying, it's not using the word accountability, but it's kind of saying accountability, not to where we'd like to see it, Sorry, it's something that has a, uh, it would have had an effect because they would have had to train to it and put the right. information out. And that's why it would have made a difference. And it's not only for bullying, it's for sexual assault, yes. sexual harassment, mm-hmm. um, hazing, retaliation and reprisal. I mean, it listed everything on there. Yes. Right. And it's you so frustrating when that happens because things like um, retaliation, for example, um, I remember the year, uh, fiscal year 19, IG only received just over a thousand retaliation complaints, DOD wide. That is so astronomically small that they should understand that there is, a, there is an issue in the system. Let, only 1% of all people that are sexually harassed in the military actually file a complaint. 1%. It is just, so frustrating when things like that happen that they need enforcement, they need investigations, they need task forces. And that's many different things that we need to expect the uh, Congress and our representatives to really enforce and to do. I was just going to say, and the investigating officers, whether they're from the command or NCIS, or I think Army is CID, Air Force's OSI, I think, they need to be, oh, and, and all IGs, they need to be honest. They need to conduct an honest and thorough investigation into every death because Brandon's, Brandon's was a suicide. Yes, they investigated it as a suicide. Even after we gave NCIS information that would, in our minds, no doubt, turn it into a criminal investigation. And they never did it. They never did. We have so much evidence that um, they drove Brandon to die by suicide Mm -hmm. from their toxic, abusive leadership and and power. And then the other thing, it's funny you brought up sexual harassment and assault. This is a fact, you know, in Brandon's command, we've talked to several women that that happened to those, you know, that that command had a minimum 
of five investigations going on on that. That's unheard of at the same time. And we talked to women and they, the outcomes were horrible. Yeah. As a matter of fact, there was DNA evidence on one of them and they let the person go. Mm-hmm. And um, they actually stationed that person too. The, the, the other, one of the people transferred and that person ended up there also at the same time. And that command did not handle those things very well. So again, a toxic abusership leadership tends to defend their own. Obviously, these people were one of them. The other thing so about I have, ask, I have to ask, you know, so first of all, I commend you for not giving up because you have to continue to push. You know, I, I, I think about uh, my fellow Ranger, Pat Tillman, you know, the NFL player. His family didn't give up, even though the military identified his situation as one thing, but they came back and fought and they found out it was something else. So, and it's not as, you know, it's not as horrible as suicide, but the parents and the family knew something wasn't right. And I think that's what my point is, is that you cannot give up if you feel truly something that's not actually uh, being provided to you, if they're not being transparent, we have to hold our military accountable to start stepping up. Like you said, Ms. Caserta, you said the IG, they have to start doing the right things. Now, I actually, about that, because I want to make sure, you know, we, uh, we've been doing this uh, podcast for a little while, and I want to make sure we, I don't hold you too much longer. But the command investigation on his death, you know, they found that they were belligerent, vulgar, it, and the leadership was brass. And that was, you know, contributed to your sons uh, making that decision. Um, can you share what actually some of the things that you know regarding the chain of command and the consequences pertain to his supervisors? Because that I could not quite find and understand. Is there anything you know the outcomes? For, for um, oh, can we say his name? Um, that's right. Let's not say his name, but we can just say either an immediate supervisor, uh, chain of command. And if there's anything outside of that, we can just identify it as the Navy. How's that? Okay. So his immediate supervisor had a lot to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, upper chain of command as well. But his, his direct supervisor had a lot to do with it. He, and this was this is actually proven, right? This is what the military, the Navy correct. actually came back and told you? Correct. Okay. And, and we're... His supervisor went to a pre-deployment and was basically doing the same thing to others on that deployment. Well, he got kicked off of that deployment and put back in charge of uh, Brandon, not only Brandon, but the group of him. And he was supposed to go to anger management classes um, for a punishment. Well, after several I, IG or yeah, IG investigations that we submitted, we found out that he never went. But he was put back in charge and was supposed to be a leadership challenge. Um, the command refused to court martial him after Brandon died because. It would keep him in the command longer. So they decided 
like two days after Brandon died, um, he was actually overheard making derogatory comments about Brandon and his death. And they moved him to the wing of the Atlantic fleet um, with the Admiral. That was all he got. And then after a couple of months, we do know that he went to another squadron and it was mentioned that he was doing the exact same thing that he did at HSC 28. And to top it off on that pre-deployment, he was literally taking bets on when another sailor was gonna die by suicide. Uh, okay, I have to ask, Sarah, how do you know that? Was it the anonymous call? No, people come forward telling us this. Okay. And um, what happened is I talked to a few people before the muni order came out. I, it, I called, they didn't know I was calling. Again, I, when I say they, the command didn't, but then these people conveniently let the command know I was calling. And of course they were rewarded for the information. And that's when they put the mutiny order out. And because they knew I was calling around. Right. And I found this out, but there are others that have come forward since then and have told us okay. the same story. That story has been told by many on their own without us asking. Okay. Um, but that, it, that, that particular sailor that he was abusing, yeah. that guy left, he was kicked off, he left. That guy excelled, went back to normal, became a superstar, and he lived. And he's alive oh to God. this day, doing well in the military, like he always did before this guy messed with him. And, uh, but yeah, he, uh, this guy, an example of this guy messing with Brandon, we sent Brandon a Christmas package and the guy collects the mail. I guess he delivers the mail at quarters. He, he drops it in the middle of the room and says, Caserta, this is yours. And, and made that, Brandon walk yeah, up there. And grab it. And then Brandon was one of those people that he would do all his work. He'd help others get their work done. And then he go ask for more work to do. This is written too right. in writing. And Stephanie, let me ask Stephanie, how is it possible that you could get reprimanded or and and from my experience, when that goes in, when that's great brought down from chain of command, that's in your file. And, and it's almost orders. So if you're told to go do anger management, how do you avoid that? I, I, I'm not processing. Well, if no one follows up on whether he completes it or not, then he can get away with that. And that is, sadly, there's no action required on any system administrative tracker. There's no flag in place for a requirement to put on. So it would be pretty much up to the immediate supervisor of that immediate supervisor to actually follow through with it. Now, if no one checks up on it, it'll just go away. And the only thing that really keeps to the actual records are field grade. So if you, if you remember field grade article 15, yeah, company right. grade, if something is field grade, so it is instituted at a field grade officer level that punishment, it will stay on your record. Or right. if it's then put it on your evaluation the right way. But it could, it could easily be swept under the rug. And that frustrates me with your story because I've heard so many others just like that. Well, taking it a step further, 
the command did a command line, line of duty investigation. We were against this. We told NCIS it's the fox guard in the hen house. It was unfair. But they specifically put in writing. Again, this is posted. They said that he went to anger management. It was found out later that so the command lied in the investigation. It wasn't a mistake. They lied. And NCIS of all places, the one or the IG found out of all the people. And IG has not been friendly in all this. They've covered it up too, but they did identify that part that that was wrong. And but that doesn't surprise yeah. us that they did that yeah. considering yeah. what they did to us after Brandon's death. I mean, it's, it's, it, it, yeah, it doesn't surprise us at all. But this, this guy needed help. He, he definitely needed clearly help. But not only that, what makes me mad is remember me being retired. The people around him, he was doing it to others. They told me this is their words. Brandon had a target on his back by this guy. But the bottom line is, he did it to others and they didn't do anything about it. And right. other people witnessed it outside of the people, direct people who's abusing. Nobody did anything. And to take it a step further, they didn't bring that guy to a court martial. There's one reason they didn't. And I'll tell you why. He was one of them. Okay. There's like 12 or 13 people that have blood on their hands in our son's death. Out of those, he know, he's got the goods on them. He knows stuff on the upper chain of command and everything. That's why they didn't do anything to him because he knows things that can expose what they did. Yeah. And again, you know, it's, uh, it's sad, but that is the truth. And that's why they let him alone because I predicted from day one, I told all our family, everything, they're going to throw that guy under the bus. He's done. I've seen it happen thousands of times. I knew it was going to happen and it didn't happen. I couldn't believe it. And in our case, the, the COXO, they lied to no extent. I mean, they lied upon lie. They falsified documents. They uh, struck the justice. They falsified official statements. I mean, this is all fact. This is not me making it up. This is fact. And the sad part is this. All the CO had to do, and this irks me to no end, is come forward, say, we're, we held training. We're going to continue holding training. We came up with a plan to prevent further deaths. We've done this, this, and this to stop it and gone after those other 12 mm -hmm. and punished them. He would have been fine. He'd go on to make four-star Admiral. That's all he had to do. He chose to cover this up. That was his fault. Knowing that I was retired military, knowing that I was on the phone with them when he died, Knowing that I called them 30 minutes prior to that and was on the phone with them and the senior enlisted advisor, instead of going to get Brandon, went down and yelled at Brandon in front of people telling him that your daddy can't help you. We're going to burn you. We're going to kick you out of the Navy and you'll do whatever we want. There's your final trigger because saying you're going to kill yourself and doing it the way Brandon did, let me tell you. There ain't many people in this world that have the guts to do that. He was triggered to do that. And that guy did it. He could have saved Brandon's life and he chose to be toxic, abusive leader. Now, in all fairness, I'll point something weird out to you is prior to Brandon getting there, just around the time he arrived, that command was one of the best commands on the waterfront, literally. Mm -hmm. And what happened is all the good people left 
and all the bad apples took over. And that's how you get this situation. Mm-hmm. And all the bad apples took over and now you had the death. But to take it a step further, there are 13 helo squadrons in Norfolk, Virginia. There's one Commodore in charge of them. Um, that, there was a sister squadron the day before Brandon died, a suicide in a sister squadron. There was no training, no stand down, nothing was done. And Brandon would be alive today because it would have been done on the day he died. Nothing was done. It was a pilot too. When was the last time you heard of a pilot killing themselves? Yeah. Three weeks prior to that, in another sister squadron, there was a suicide. No training, no stand down, nothing. Now, I got to tell you, up until the bush, okay, and the bush happened later, that was a record of suicide in a three-week span for the military. Right there, this Commodore was an embarrassment and did nothing. And the bush then happened months later, and, and that superseded all that. I think they had five in a month or something. Incredible. In Norfolk, Virginia, again, all this, Norfolk, Virginia, I, I joke and say there's something in the water. <laughs> um, but it's the toxic abuse of leadership and abuse of power. And I, they, uh, recently there's a person that was the closest to Brandon when he died physically. And this person um, was never talked to by any investigation ever. She was hidden. And they, that person had been talking to Brandon all day long, on and off, all day long. And I guess it must have been assumed that Brandon was venting on this person on all the things going on. So they knew that that person probably wouldn't be in their corner. And so they made sure this person was never talked to. And that other person's having a hard time in the military right now because it always catches up to you sooner or later. Vietnam veterans happen later in life. There was a lot that happened earlier. We just don't know about it because it wasn't written about. No one talked about it. Um, but it um, but one of the things said to her was that you should feel sorry for Brandon's chain of command because they lost a sailor. I, I cannot believe they would say that to her. This girl witnesses the death. No, what, what, he's, what, what was said, and this is recently because now they, her new command, sorry, I didn't mean to say that, um, is trying to separate, get, get this person out of the Navy. Yeah. Um, but what they said was, we hurt worse than you because we lost a sailor. And yet this person witnessed Brandon jump. Mm-hmm. Just traumatic itself. Yes. And they're trying Very to downplay it. Like the others had it harder than her. Yeah. yeah. Like the Navy had it worse than she, than, than, than this person. It's gaslighting. It's a, that's a, the exact definition of gaslighting. And that's one yes. reason why. Um, many service members have issues with oh, with those type of things because gaslighting happens so often and they don't even realize it's gaslighting. And what they also don't realize is, is okay, um, if you don't mind, I'm going to read part of Brandon's letter. So if I, if I um, choke up, I apologize. But, but with them not holding people accountable, I think hurts hurts the command, the sailors worse than anything, because 
we were talking earlier about um, what Brandon said in his letter about um, holding them accountable. And what he says is, I want to see as many people as possible fired, kicked out, sorry, and or at the very least lose rank. I do not want a military funeral. I've suffered enough and I have done nothing in the military to be proud of. Then he says, ruin these people's lives as much as they ruined mine. While you're at it, attack the re-rate process because if that change to any rate someone qualifies for but based on ASVAB, not as many people in the future will suffer the fate I have. And not holding them accountable to me makes things twice as bad for the ones who witnessed it because now they know and they have to look at these people who did this to Brandon mm -hmm. almost every day. Yes. And, and you can't tell me that doesn't trigger something. The taking it a step further, I told you I'd come back to this is just so happened that one of the people that didn't make it through SEALs was really good friends with Brandon. They were friends before they left and this guy didn't make it through. He ended up ironically in Norfolk, Virginia also. And Brandon and him spent all kinds of time together. And this is a year before Brandon died. He was on a ship. Yes, he was on a ship. Brandon was in a squadron. And Brandon called me up and he said, I'm really worried about my friend. He keeps saying he's afraid he's going to hurt somebody. So I went down to the vet center. I got some information for the area, some numbers he could call to get some help in the area because I knew his command wasn't going to help him. And so he took it for action. He got some help. Ironically, he was uh, omitted, I guess, to the hospital. He was in there a couple of weeks. And next thing you know, he's being processed out of the military. Well, Brandon didn't even know what was going on because this guy for two weeks, you can't hear from him. He's isolated. So he gets processed out with a general discharge or possibly medical, I'm not sure which, but one of the two. He goes on, he happened to be a dual citizen. He's American and Australian. And he went on to join Australian Army. And he's in the Australian Army to this day. He's kicking butt, doing very well. And he keeps in touch with us. Well, we posed a question to him. And this we were not expecting when we heard back. We said, Brandon knew how you got out of the military. He knew how to get out. Why didn't he do what you did? He knew exactly where to go and what to do. He witnessed it. And he'd be able, he'd be fine on the outside. Fine. He had a medical discharge or whatever. He'd be able to recover from it. And he told me word for word. He said, you know, we talked about that. And he said, Brandon told me that his command is so scary and screwed up that they would screw it up and he wouldn't be allowed out and he'd end up with some kind of bad conduct discharge or something. He said, that's how dangerous and bad these people were in that command. He felt that way. And, that, and that's that in the letter, you know, he was trapped and everything. And that's why is because these people were the evil empire, literally, and there was no way out. There, and like I said, he had a shield of armor. I can't even explain. And I, I don't even think in the end that was shattered. I, I it, well, he, sa he says in one of the letters, you can read it, he sacrificed himself for them. And that's what he says. He hopes things are better already. Well, unfortunately, they're not better because they stole all anything 
that we could use to get them, hold them accountable. Um, they erased things on his phone. They erased things on his computer. They kept the middles of these letters. They put the immunity order out. Um, they lied on the investigations. They convinced NCIS not to do a criminal investigation. They told our casualty assistant officers to come tell us that he was alive and in the hospital when in fact he was dead. Can you imagine that? Just yeah. so you know, that that's a tidbit. Sorry, we forgot. Can you imagine these people, they were on their way. You tell the story better than me. Yeah, they got the call and they were told that Brandon was alive and in the hospital. On the way to our house, they either got a text message or they saw footage of a news um, segment that was on TV because they must have done an, an internet search. Well, they, they saw it and it said that, that there was a mishap at the Norfolk Naval Base and the sailor was deceased. So they're, you know, they're, they're thinking, you know, okay, this doesn't seem right. So right. they pull over, remember, they're on the way to our house. They pull over, they call the command and, and whoever they talked to said, you need to tell the parents that Brandon is alive and in the hospital. And they're, they're saying, they're, they're saying, but if he's dead, we have to tell them he's deceased. And so Apparently, they argued back and forth for several minutes, and, and finally, the command said, yes, he is, is deceased, but you need to tell them that he's alive and in the hospital, and they said, we can't do that, because that's a lie, and we are not doing that to these parents. Um, we did not know that until the next day, um, when we were filling out the paperwork that you fill out. Mm -hmm. um, they did we were supposed to do it that night, but they said we were too distraught. Well, hello. Um, but they told us that the next day when they came out for us to do the paperwork. And, and yet they never invited, his command never invited us to the funeral. We got a letter. I think it was from the, the commanding officer um, telling us that Everybody went to his memorial. It, it, he did not make it mandatory. Um, and then come to find out the most of the people in the command were did not go and it was mandatory. Um, and they, they just threw it together. Mm -hmm. Brandon's body was still in Norfolk. They held his body up for what, three or four days before they took him to Dover to do the autopsy. Mm -hmm. um, we've, we've spoken to several other families that have suicide victims and a lot of them did not have an autopsy. So we're right. sitting there thinking why, if Brand Brandon's was absolutely a suicide, mm -hmm. people watched him do it. Yeah. So why did they, autopsy Brandon if it was a suicide of course obviously they were going to do the toxicology tests mm -hmm. anyway and we knew we knew that it would come back clean and it did um oh darn what else injustice and then did they did? remember she told you that they wanted to lie and say he was alive in the hospital Brandon was in fact on the tarmac he was there eight hours on the tarmac he Never, he went from the tarmac 
to the morgue. He never went to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And they were there. And the reason the delay is obviously is because the shredders were going and all the stories are getting straight and all that other stuff was going on. And they wanted that time. And then an article that they read, that was a fake article. That was a plant. First off, it was not a safety mishap. Yeah. Second off is who told them? How could they find out that quickly, the press, that somebody died? It'd be impossible. The command called that in. Yes. That was the start of, we'll say, the cover-up. And, and we weren't told for six hours after Brandon's death. And that's another thing. There was a huge delay. And, heck, the Tillman's got the... Um, Pat Tillman's body back faster than we did. He was in the war zone. And uh, Brandon, it took 11 days to get his body back. And the, uh, there's even weirdness to the autopsy. I mean, there's a needle mark in his arm. There's no explanation because he never had an IV in his arm. That it, and he doesn't explain why. This morning, as I was writing some stuff up, something dawned on me is Brandon, the night before he died, he loved Krispy Kreme donuts. He bought a dozen two dozen donuts and chocolate milk. Um, and he had eaten a lot of food before that with a, a friend of his that was a true friend and not in that command. And yet the ME report says his stomach was Completely empty. empty. That's impossible. Yeah. I just, when you're dead still, but not that quick. And right. so, and then why 11 days? It was delayed in for the Emmy in Norfolk, and it was delayed in Dover also. And no one can explain the delays, what was going on. Again, I couldn't even begin to tell you why the delays happened. I'm just telling you they did. And um, it does appear from um, FOIAs that, that I've requested that uh, it appears that the FBI stepped in on the autopsy, but we don't know why. Hmm. That, that's all they mention. That's really odd. And it, it also frustrates me with that they tried telling you guys that to tell, tell you guys that he's still alive because the only reason you would see a casualty notification officer is because your loved one died. It's the only way they're initiated. So it's so frustrating to me. Um, I've actually was the acting first sergeant for um, two memorials for soldiers that have passed away in my organizations. And I can't name one person that did not show up for those memorial services because they were a hundred percent packed. Plus we had to escort everybody on the base that was civilian on the, on there. So it's, Oh, yeah. And see, take it a step further. No one came to his actual funeral from the command. There was no flowers, nothing. And again, they're not required to do what I just said, but all the other Gold Star families had this in some form or another, most of them both. And no one came. And then we go back to um, what I told you in the beginning. Everybody hates me in that command. Mm -hmm. And it makes you wonder, you know, was this some kind of hate crime? And it, it wouldn't have been for race or color in Brandon's case, but it just makes you wonder what happened? Why, why would people not like the hardest? Who kills the hardest, best worker in their command, number one? And um, number two is the guy had a smile that made you want to smile. They, he, you know how many people told us he put them in a good mood because of his smile and the love shining in his eyes and everything. And, uh, so all we want is the truth, but we want to 
prevent this from happening to somebody else. Somebody has got to do it. We're going to do it. I know there are others out there and there are other bills and there are other things and we support every one of them and we want every one of them to pass because again, they're all tools in the toolbox. None of them is the answer. None of them. And it's not going to be because we have to get the right issue addressed, which is toxic abuse of leadership and abuse of power, but we can save lives and we could start to save lives immediately if we can get this stuff passed. And that's where the branding act comes in and the other stuff comes in and it's, uh, um, you know, it's just something we believe in and we, we believe Brandon's legacy is saving lives and we want to continue that. And we help people. We're not an advocacy. We get calls all the time and we've helped people. We prevented people from literally committing suicide and um, I won't turn anybody away. We help them and we have no problem with it. I'm just saying we're not set up for that. Again, I was a Navy counselor, but I'm not going to go on the ledge there. I'm a psychologist. <laughs> um, and, uh, but I do get them help. I give them numbers, uh, good numbers for their areas. Um, I have a contact at the vet center that helps me who is a psychologist. And um, we do everything we can. But like I said, this is all about saving lives and accountability. Brandon's thing is the ground zero for accountability. It needed to start somewhere and his story's perfect for it because it overlaps on, I mean, there's sexual harassment in Brandon's story. It wasn't him being sexually harassed, but I told you the command had several cases, um, sexual assault, some of them. And he was walking them to their cars. Yeah. Why, why was, why, if they were under investigation and that command was zero tolerance, why in the world did Brandon have to walk women to their car at night? I, what were they afraid of? They parked at the command too. It wasn't far. And, but it, Brandon, we're using the story as the ground zero to make a difference for everybody. It, you know, it's to stand for all Gold Star family members. It's not just Brandon, but it's, we had to start somewhere And his story is perfect to start it and to build upon. And again, every day there's more and more and hopefully, uh, some of those people join in and be able to help us in different ways. And we've, I do want to point out, we've had a lot of help and we appreciate it. The press has been fairly kind to us. When I say that, meaning we haven't got as much exposure as we like, but we have gotten some exposure on um, the military.com story. Uh, most people don't know this. It is the highest read story verified by hits and reads ever that they have ever done. And wow. the reporter won an award. She won an award for that article. Mm. And so she's an award-winning reporter now because of it. And she did an outstanding job. We met her, nice people too. But people like her and others have helped us. Um, we didn't have help. We wouldn't have gotten this far. And I'm not talking financially, although some people have spent their own money doing things. I mean, just the moral support and volunteering their help and wanting to help. Like and, you guys. Yes. And you can't get through it without those people. I'm telling you, there is no, I, I guess if you are a billionaire, you might be able to, but again, you're not going to have that moral support and people standing by you the whole time being there if you need to call them and stuff. And um, it's a group effort, team effort. And that was Brandon team. Well, it sounds like Brandon actually made the ultimate sacrifice in voluntarily and i hate to say that because what he did was a sacrifice he chose mm -hmm. to make that sacrifice on behalf of helping others and you talk about how great of a person he is i can't think of anybody who would make a greater sacrifice 
Um, I have to end this podcast because we have literally gone far and beyond and not to take anything away from you because this has been amazing. I'm mm-hmm. excited. Like I'm like thinking about my editor and what we're going to do behind this. And this is going to be probably one of the probably, you know, like military.com will probably break some records, but <laughs> that would be nice. Hey, that's great. Uh, we got to get the word out. Yeah, absolutely. Well, like I said at the beginning, it's always the guest. It has nothing to do with me. It's always the guest. But before I go, um, if say goodbye to Stephanie, because you're the one that brought us all together, I want to give you a chance if you have any last words. I know you have a website, your organization, which is literally critical and important in this. Please talk a little bit about that. Okay, so my organization, we actually just renamed ourselves. So it's Veterans Legislative Voice, and it is basically to empower current military and veterans on finding their own voice and emphasizing on what needs to be changed legislatively. So that could be federal, that could be state, city, county, any of those. Um, We're expanding to that past the national side. And uh, my website, it's vets, V-E-T-S, legislativevoice.org that's legislativevoice.org okay we'll definitely have that on the uh youtube channel on the podcast ah mr and mrs caserta again on behalf of the team here at dr brian speaks uh i my ultimate sorrow goes with you i understand the fight i will commit to doing what i can and again i'm so sorry for your loss um and again, please, let's stay in touch. Um, my information is on the website. You can reach out to me directly. Um, clearly, I'll be staying in touch with Stephanie. We have a lot of work to do, and I know you do as well. Uh, we need to continue to push those Congress people, the senators. We need to get them to understand. Um, I'm going to close by saying something that Mr. Caserta said that I thought was important. And he says, we might not be able to tackle this completely, but we can bring down the numbers. And I can't stress how important that is. You know, as a traumatic veteran, you know, there's things that the military is just the nature of the beast when we're out there in combat. You know, we have these night terrors and I can't sleep and these things just occur. And that could contribute to some of those suicides because some of us give up and we can't keep fighting the depression, the anxiety, all the elements of PTSD. But There is the soldier on soldier piece that is also contributing to that number. That part we can fight. That part is controllable. And that's what we need to have to absolutely address because that is, there's no excuse. That part we can literally take control of and fight back and push and correct the things that we need to correct. Figure out what's causing this. Why are the people doing this? What options do we have to give the soldiers a chance to speak up without having being reprimanded or being attacked? I mean, that part of it, we can definitely control. So we're gonna continue to do this. I wanna say thank you so much for taking the time out. Stephanie, thank you. Again, this has been an amazing show, and I really appreciate the fact that you are here doing this. I know it's emotional to take you through this again. I apologize for that, but we have to get people to understand. Exactly. And thank you so much for your guys' time. We yes, thank you both. greatly we appreciate, appreciate it. And if you need us in the future, or you need a fill-in or whatever, anytime, please keep us in mind um, for the future. If you need to do another 
one or want to or whatever, or somebody cancels at the last minute, get a hold of us. We'll do anything we can. And we'll keep you posted on the Brandon Act. Yes, we will. Yes, absolutely. Definitely. And that's very important because I, you know, there's a lot of things that I track. And I'm not always up on everything, which is why I got Stephanie on my show quick dial. <laughs> it's like, hey, what's going on? But absolutely. So thank you for that. All right. Well, I'm going to end this. Uh, do not go away. I definitely want to ask you something off, off the camera. So um, again, I want to say thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. So I paused the show and had a conversation with the parents of Brandon. And we talked about quite a few things off record because one of the important things about this show is to protect those that are innocent until proven guilt, uh, guilty, you know. So try to support the justice system. However, if you have listened to this entire podcast, you can definitely hear there's injustice out there. You know, Brandon Caserta was one of 325 active duty service members who died by suicide in 2018 and one of 68 sailors. Now you heard his father talk about some of the other issues that were happening with sexual assault and things that Brandon actually got involved with to protect his fellow sailors. And clearly there's other ships and other incidences out there that is happening according to military data. I'm not making this up. Less than half or 44.6% of troops who died by suicide that year had a documented behavioral health diagnosis, according to a report provided by the Pentagon. And this was released in April. So process that and understand that the reason why we're doing what we're doing is because there is definitely a level of importance that exists. And we have to do something about this. You may yourself may not be a victim, you may not even know a military person. You just understand that behavioral health, mental health, those things are important. And we're still diving in to understand how all of this relates to the human body. I mean, right now we have COVID and I'm still trying to understand, somebody give me an answer to this and how it affects my body. All I'm hearing is respiratory, flu-like symptoms, et cetera, but yet, a young healthy track runner or a young healthy doctor who gets a vaccination shot dies? Or why is it that my aunt who is in her late 60s, she gets COVID and she's still okay. But yet I'll have a young cousin who gets it and he passes. I'm still not understanding. But like mental health, we are still trying to track and understand how this impacts the body the mind, why we do the things we do. You heard that when I talked to Mr. Caserta, he mentioned something that was critical. And I absolutely understand that, you know, we have to bring down the numbers of suicide. And I mentioned on the show, there are some things we cannot control because the nature of the beast is that we're soldiers. We're here to protect our country. We're here to be out there. And sometimes that means we have to get into some really messy things. And those things come back and haunt us. Nothing we could do about that. They give us meds. They have us take these pills. They help us sleep, help the night terrors go away, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I just showed you two bottles. 
I mean, the truth of the matter is I got more over there. But the thing is, that is something that we are going to be victim to, and we have to do the best we can through medication, therapy, et cetera, to be able to actually fight through. But one-on-one soldier abuse? Come on. No. No. That is inexcusable. The goal of this show is to ensure we maintain a level of communication and to support one another. Understand the next steps. You know, try to be a resource. We have other advocates out there that try to be a resource. I implore you to continue to listen, continue to support and get involved. These are some challenging situations. So to all my friends, family, veterans, friends of veterans, friends and friends of associates that are no veterans, get involved. We got young Brandon who made the ultimate sacrifice just so he can get the, bring the awareness, get things going. Brandon planned this. He wrote out those letters because he knew what he was gonna do. And it was important for him to make the ultimate sacrifice. Now, I didn't say this to his parents, but I'm gonna say this out loud. And I'm a person that grew up in the church and I understand religion. And I remember a story by this um, son who also made an ultimate sacrifice because he loved the world so much. Well, I'm not saying Brandon is somebody at that level or caliber to be considered a savior, but I think he's took some bit of guidance to understand that sometimes it requires ultimate sacrifice to help others. So my hat's off to Brandon for the courage he just demonstrated. It wasn't involuntary like Vanessa and so many others who experienced trauma and died. Now, Brandon made a choice and he said, this has got to stop. And he challenged his parents to help and continue to fight. That's bravery. So let's not disappoint them. Check out my website, check out the YouTube page. The links are gonna be there available for you. Please get involved. That's my show. My name is Dr. Bryant. I'm your host, Dr. Brian Speaks. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Until the next episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Dr. Bryant Speaks. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please locate others on all the popular podcast channels and YouTube under Dr. Bryant Speaks and go to the website at drbryantspeaks.com for the latest info.